Cheers. That is a uh, Kimor Springs Keller beer. And I'm drinking it out of <laughs> a double bubble mug. It's such a great picture. I saw it in the uh, in the closet and said, Ooh, that's the mug for me this week. It's July 31st, 2015, and I am up at uh, Bark Lake. And this is an episode of uh, Baby Sally Talks, episode number 21. It's, I said July 31st. You probably won't hear this till uh, mid-August when I'm back in Toronto again after this tour. But I just had an overwhelming sense of needing to talk to you, needing to share something. I suppose I, I could fight that and say, hey, hey, channel it, dude. If, uh, if you have that strong need, maybe you, you, you should redirect it somehow. But anyway, I'm going to let it go. This is just like... In the earlier days of Dixon Jeans, there were times when I just needed to reach out and talk. And part of that is simply because I'm just so happy right now. And you, you don't always hear me happy, but... Oh, boy. It's just... I knew when I left Toronto behind... We had, I had 10 days of hard work in Toronto of keeping this program going and dealing with, uh, you know, calls every day from host families and issues that needed uh, decisions made on and I mentioned I guess in the preceding podcast I hope anyway that it was all good and I really mean that in the sense of it's good for me mentally to have challenges and to uh, take on new things and, and to get better at what I'm doing and I really had that feeling but tonight uh, coming here to Bark Lake where I've been coming for years and years and years with this group of girls from Kamakura, Japan. It's like, I, I said to the staff, I said, this is just like coming home to the the old family farmhouse. Like, this is, hey, these are my roots. This is where I belong. There's a real strong connection to it and wonderful team of staff to look after the girls. But a very, very special feeling for me to uh, come here and Watch watch it all happen. Watch the girls connect with a very highly trained staff who are doing everything just right. So right now, and part of the reason for my happiness, they have all the girls, or 31 of the 32, and that's one of the reasons I'm staying behind, is one girl is not feeling too well, but the rest are, are probably have finished their paddle across the lake in these big Voyager canoes that can hold up to 14 people. Um... No room for me, and, and that's all right. I've, I've done them before, and the joy... I've got to slow down a little here. I'm, I'm sort of rushing to get out this feeling, and I think I'm... I'm uh, it would be better if I just took a pause. The joy of sitting on the stern, straddled over the stern of a Voyager canoe that's in the water, but you know, a good couple of feet up on the sand so that the girls can step into the canoe in their running shoes and not have to get into the water. With the guide, our, our head guide, Sabrina, uh, at the back, which happened to be turned around and backwards, that's why, holding it steady, feet firmly planted in the sand, 
as each girl got in middle and found their seats, some some two by two, some three by three. And then when everybody was seated, all with their life jackets, all with their uh, paddles, to stand up and heave with all the strength I have left in me, to heave and push that thing off the sand and into the water. And what a great feeling it was. It was the simplest task to do and the most gratifying sense of that's all I needed to do. I didn't need to be in there. I didn't need to be in the other side where they are now, sitting around a campfire, singing songs. As nice as that is, and you know, um, as, as many times as I've done that, this was my turn to make sure that both the teachers went instead and I stayed behind in case our uh, young lady who's not too well, just so that she knew there's somebody around, that's all. Right now we have the entire camp to ourselves. We are the only group of campers here, and that's also just a wonderful feeling. Uh, unfortunately, tomorrow there's a bus or buses with about 130 kids coming from all over, so uh, it changes the uh, changes the atmosphere considerably. Uh, but we have this facility called the Oak Center to ourselves every single year, and these are like pine-walled rooms with their own private shower and toilet and sink and just absolutely a glorious place and a huge meeting area for our evening talks with the girls and uh, probably before we leave I'll have to do a couple of lessons a short French lesson and so on it's just you know I've always been jealous not envious as a better word envious of families who've had cottages and go up to the cottage every weekend but this has been mine this has been my place, and even though it's only now it's only four or five days, used to be longer, it's still that precious and that wonderful. And you won't find, a, I mean, this is remote. There are no motorboats. There are no other cottages on this lake. There's nothing. So I guess that's all I really wanted to express was this pure joy and happiness at being here in the simplicity of this environment. I have a thing. Um, whenever I come here, I go up on the deck. There's a huge dining hall uh, and a deck overlooking the lake, and it's got the best view. And for as many years as I've been coming here, there were always three Voyager canoes tied up to two docks. And I would stand on the edge of this balcony and look out. And I've, I've posted this picture many times, and I have many copies. I would take a picture of those three long Voyager canoes and the two docks and the lake in the background and the sun on the trees. And in the foreground, tree branches that are growing more and more each year. Every year it's slightly different. And there was an incredible zen-like feeling a feeling of calm, a feeling of balance, a feeling of perfection, just standing, focusing, looking at these three canoes that every year they were back. And this year, it's changed. They still have the three canoes, but one of the wharfs or the little docks is gone. In the foreground, which used to be just the beach and a little bit of grass, They've put the canoe racks, and so there's about 
20, 30 red canoes, which are nice on their own, but that simple beauty, that simple perfection, that just, I keep saying simple, and it was. There's a simplicity, there's this balance, there's a zen-like quality to that scene that is now gone, and I have to find another. And yet, shortly after that, I was sitting astern this Voyager canoe, guiding them out into the water, and I felt that same peace and balance and beauty. And that's a feeling I get deeply, strongly when I come here, and it's it's wonderful, and that's the feeling I needed to share with you and why this has to be a longer podcast and not one of my short snappers, uh, because I felt I needed the time to get those words out and try and paint that picture for you. I'm going to go on. I'm going to flip this over to the other side now and talk about the things that are, I won't say darker, but uh, maybe just as poignant in some ways, this sense of my deteriorating health, the back issues, the limp that I now have that could be for life. And I spoke to um, a gentleman yesterday in... um, Niagara Falls, Niagara on the Lake, our guide, Peter, who's been doing it for years and years, and he's a decade older than me and suffering from stenosis and arthritis, the two conditions I have, stenosis, that narrowing of the spine and pinching of the nerves, and uh, just making sometimes standing, walking very difficult. But Peter, to his credit, is out playing golf often and taking holidays, and I'm just not keeping up partly because it just hurts too much and the walking has been a real real strain on this tour and I'm having to sit more often and not take those extra journeys I'm still getting in 10,000 12,000 steps a day double my normal but uh, at a price it hurts and then tonight when the girls were doing an exercise a welcome exercise it was a beautiful one to bring them to the camp to find out what are the reasons for coming here and they did it by putting pictures cut up from magazines all over the floor of people, animals, things, places. And every girl had to go and pick one picture for her that meant something, that had that could answer the question, why am I here and what do I hope to learn? And even the teacher got involved. And each girl spoke up to the group one by one and gave her reason and then pasted her picture up on the wall as a memory. Now, in the old days, the teachers used to say, what do you want to do? I want to do archery and then write archery on the board. This is a whole new dimension in terms of um, adding depth to the experience so that they can look every day and see their picture up there and why they're here, a reflection back. Uh, as an educator, I, I'm just delighted to see uh, things like that, changes, improvements that come every year. But as the girls spoke... I could not hear any one of them. My hearing is going. And I asked the teacher, I said, can you hear? Oh, yeah, sure. And they spoke very quietly. But from where I was, behind them, the sound was just muffled. And perhaps if I'd been sitting facing them, I might have picked up more. Uh, when we were at Marshall McLuhan Podcaster Roundtables, and uh, I was listening to the boys from QRM, a lot of the time I was just nodding my head. And, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, yeah when I didn't have a clue what was being said. And, and this is this is for real. So in other words, I've got back issues, walking issues that will only get worse. 
there really aren't any solutions. I've got hearing problems that are just going to be a matter of time before I need a hearing aid. And that just makes me feel old and useless and, holy fuck, man, is this the end? And yet, (laughs) at the same time, on the bus coming up here on our great, big, beautiful coach, painted a lovely blue uh, from a company in London, Batter, um, on the coach up here, we took a route that was very similar to the one I used to drive my son up to uh, to his art school, which was out in the uh, out in the woods. And here's me. Okay, there's another problem: memory. I can't remember the name of the town where we went to art school. Um, I can't remember. Well, you know, we're near. Let's say we're near Lindsay or the turnoff for Lindsay and other areas, but uh, not far from Peterborough. Anyway, that general area doesn't matter, but. It matters because I don't have a memory. Um, I felt his presence. I remembered the trips of me driving him up and how much fun that was on a weekend to take him back to college. And it made me think of him. This is the son who's in Melbourne, and I just decided to text him and tell him how special he was and how proud I am of him and how pleased I am with his life and how I knew his life was going to be a good life. And sure enough, he had just gotten up from the other side of the world. I'm on a bus, a moving vehicle in rural Ontario. He's on the other side of the planet, texting back at the same time and telling me, uh, giving me advice for my trip because I'd said, I'm, I've really got to, while I can still function, get this trip to Australia and. He's encouraging me to go to Vietnam and Thailand, which, of course, I want to do. And uh, giving me ideas. I'm saying, I'll just get a return ticket to Melbourne. He's saying, no, go via Asia, first of all. And Anyway, the details are not important. That'll get sorted out. But it was that sense of connection, this amazing fact of being able to use technology from a little cell phone in my hand that I can communicate in real time with a son on the other side of the planet. This is just, wow. Wonderful. So, this I, I'm full of joy. I am full of joy. I am full of joy. In spite of this sense of, like, a beat-up old car that's just, holy fuck, how much longer is that thing going to last? You know, when are you going to have to just pack it in and get a new one? In which case, I know and you know we don't get a new one. So I'm always... Dealing with this sense of death that could come suddenly with the heart attack. Uh, I don't dread it. I don't worry about it. I don't think about it every day. But it's, it's, it's there. It's a reality, naturally. I was thinking today with this tour, just as I pushed that boat off, the thought came up, wow, who's going to do this if I'm not? This is the end of this very special program we have because basically I'm holding every one of the pieces I did think the other day that same son in Australia, maybe, 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 he might want to take it over and make it something a little different and maybe follow through some of the other ideas I have had but don't care to launch at this stage of my life. Who knows? (sighs) One last thread, and this gets into the strange territory. Some of you have imagination, and we'll get this, and some of you don't, but that white cat we have, my cat, Yuki, 
who, when I come to the front door, will come running downstairs, get on the mat and roll over the way a dog would, just so I can bend down and stroke her and rub her stomach. And it's a greeting, an exchange, okay, hey, I'm glad you're back, and I'm saying, I'm glad I'm back, nice to see you. And we have that wonderful little exchange, and then she just follows me around everywhere and calling. And we have a little game at night when it's time for bed. She jumps up on the bed, and I have my hand under the blanket and, of course, move it, and she pounces on it. And we'll try and sink her teeth in, and there's just enough blanket that it's not going to hurt my hand. And I let her just chew away, and then I'll flip her over backwards, and she'll pounce right back, and this real battle up and down and the blankets will happen and it's wonderful and it's great fun until she finally settles down and uh, I have to be very careful because when I shut out the light it's no guarantee she's not just going to pounce on me once more (laughs) and uh, I had this funniest feeling that Yuki has come into my life you know this is a cat that I did not steal from an immigrant as I've been accused of that came into our lives and I have bonded with very strongly, deeply. There is a sense either this cat has come back to comfort me in this time when I'm groaning about aches and pains and it's just here to bring a little joy and happiness and love into my life. Only I think it was yesterday, there was also the sense that this cat is almost like a ghost, this white cat has come to be with me when I'm dying. And forgive me for sounding a little overdramatic and, oh my God, you're going there. It's just sometimes you have thoughts like that. I'm I'm the kind of person who, I love my imagination. I love living in my head sometimes. I love where I can get to. I love my beer. Um, There was just that sense just for a moment no no Yuki has come to uh, either way living or dying to comfort me and I'm grateful for that so anyway I guess uh, boy I've gone all over the map on this one have I not that's why I can't do a uh, five minute eight minute um, podcast to send out to you it has to be part of a whole who knows I guess I'll maybe I'll try and finish off I'll try and make this recording only of Bark Lake And then perhaps do another one when we head off to Ottawa, Quebec. All right. Thank you for listening. I'm glad I shared that. I feel better. I hope you've enjoyed it. And uh, send me a comment sometimes. By the way, I'm still looking for articles for the upcoming fall issue of the Dixon Jane zine. Uh, I've already got a great letter from Sean Joyner. Sean used to be one of us, too. So I I think there's a real sense of this is going to be, um, I don't know if aimed at is the right word, but certainly consisting of a lot of podcasters, but people who are also right. Podcasters tend to be creative people regardless. And Sean wrote just a very, very moving tribute to uh, to his dog. And I thought that is perfect for the back page of the Dixon Jeans and... There it is. So bit by bit, I will piece this together. My next job while I'm here is to uh, piece together this sermon on Nigeria. As I was walking just before this recording, as I was walking over, I said, Ken, I wonder, 
do you think maybe instead of talking about Nigeria, you should talk about the beats? And fortunately, the wiser head prevailed and said, no, no, save that for another time. This is Nigeria. That's already in print now. Stick to your topic. And uh, I will. Maybe we'll hear the loons tonight. Bye for now. It's really, really nice. Oh, man. The first beer of the day is always the best. So I'm in my room. This cozy little room. I always have the same room when I come here. Uh, number 12, the end of the dormitory, or this oak center. Beautiful rooms, like I say, pine walled, and your own bathroom and sofa. Oh, it's great. And, again, just another reminder of how lucky I am. I mean, here's me bemoaning the fact so many of my friends have cottages or grew up with cottages. Sorry, I got nuts. Um, and I, we hardly ever went on any vacations, but... Yeah. Oh, sorry, this is really loud. Hmm. All right, I'll put those away. 
And it's just, this place fills me with so much joy. Today the students had a wonderful activity. It was their nature, the ecology session. And um, one of the staff went out early in the morning and picked all these leaves and needles, placed them on a bench, and then gave the students little cards describing them, and they had to match the names up and the card description with the proper leaves, like, like hands-on, do you see? And then she explained when they got them all right how she remembered them and, you know, which pine needles have two growing off together and... Don't ask me to tell you the difference between a red pine and a white pine and a, uh, a sugar maple and the regular red maple. and It's just wonderful that they're doing this for the students. And then inside, two other groups, because we have three instructors for our group teaching them about animals, and they had pictures of the animals and then a description and something about what it eats or its habitat. And, of course, you got the loon and the moose and the Canada geese and... Uh, the beaver and the raccoon. And it was just wonderful. And, the, and these three staff members this year are all speaking calmly, quietly, clearly, so that the girls are really getting it. Uh, and that's just... And this is... You know, we didn't have this necessarily in the beginning. Every year there's fine-tuning to this program. And this year I can look at it and say, wow. In spite of... I mean, there's little glitches everywhere. I mean, the last day we left... Um, somebody forgot, was waiting for me to come and get their their student. Didn't realize they had to drive her in and had to go and borrow a car. And, and I hope I didn't already tell you that. But anyway, there's, there's little things that go wrong and little, little mistakes that I've made. Oh, gee, I guess I should have been more clear about that. But there's room for forgiveness built into the program. Uh, so today, they do... Now, here's what I'm doing, okay? I'm going to get some beer. Oh, my God, that's good. Oh, sheer joy. I've been reading a lot. I picked up a little book called Guadalcanal Diary, written in 1943, like from a reporter who was there for the battle. And, my God, you could tell this is wartime writing because the Japanese, who I am traveling with now, who's... Fathers, grandfathers had nothing to do with World War II, and maybe some great-grandfathers might have. Um, this story is all about the Nips and the Japs and, and the, the heroic measures taken by Americans as they threw dynamite into the caves. And it's just incredible. I mean, it's a war story. Yes, this battle happened. But the idea that an enemy can be so worthless as a human, not a thought of the human suffering of the ones who sort of held off to the last man, which they did. They're just, they're just according to this book, I mean, uh, an enemy with no possible, you know, there's no possible room for compassion about their suffering. And we have come a long way. Why I'm reading it on this trip, I don't know. Other than I don't know a whole lot about that battle, and it's a little bit of history, but it's it's a strange to be reading that while traveling with people who Canada is very closely allied with. You know, the war is over. Um, is that anything important? <laughs> 
a reminder of something I was supposed to do three days ago, which I did, thank you. Um, I'm just lining up ahead of the game here, uh, travel plans for when I get to Montreal. I'm going to meet up with some friends, uh, Michelle and John Meadows, and uh, Bob, I guess, and Laurent, um, Sylvia. Looking forward to that. But that's getting ahead of us. I still have yet to do Quebec City and Ottawa. But here and now, in this room on this day, with a gentle rain coming, here's what happened. I have a nap every single day, and god damn, is that ever nice to have the luxury of having an afternoon nap in your room, or there's another, there's the big oak center, our main meeting room, and there's a fan, a big high double level ceiling with an overhead fan, and to lie under that fan on a sofa with a book and maybe just drift off, oh, heaven, 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 or back to my room here with the windows open and just surrounded by trees and forest. It's glorious. So I have my nap and then uh, came out to see the girls are doing their high ropes today where they climb these poles with you know, safety harnesses and helmets <coughs> and take on real challenges. Uh, now this year, a couple of girls were not up to it and one in particular tried it, got halfway up a pole and basically freaked out, panicked, uh, understandably, and uh, came back down in a very, very uh, shaky state uh, of, of you know, rapid breathing and, and just the shakes, like she wasn't going to get over this. So their next activity was canoeing, canoe games, you know, dragon tail, we have to try and catch this big foamy bopper out of the back of a canoe. She was not up for any canoeing. So I decided I wanted the teachers to go out in the canoes. I'd stay back with her. Now, canoeing is something I really enjoy doing, and it's something I look forward to up here. But in this case, I knew this girl. I used to draw. I drove her, and she's just a, a sweetheart. And it, it, it actually felt better than canoeing, sitting on a rock with her, me trying to get her to breathe in rhythm, you know, doing whatever little skills I had to. Calm down her rapid <laughs> breathing to a better pace and talk about the animals and the geese and everything else. Till the end, we were sitting there smiling together and it was, it was lovely and I, I felt good to have been able to do that. And we watched the others out on the lake, the girls for the first time in a canoe paddling and they were doing fine. And then a little gentle rain came down. I thought, oh, it's kind of nice. It's kind of pretty when you're looking at the rain. It's just a gentle, light rain. So we could sit out there and watch, no problem. And then that rain turned to a very heavy rain very quickly. So we, uh, we ducked under some shelter and watched these girls paddle like mad to get back to shore. It was really something. And, of course, then I felt even better that I... I wasn't drenched out in a canoe that I was able to watch it from the scene and, of course, run back down to the beach and pull up, pull a couple of those canoes up onto the sand. So the girls are in their rooms now, changing into dry clothes and 
recovering from a very, very full and busy day. Like we, we do this program, there's constant activity. We like to build in a little time for reflection, but it's still, they're doing stuff. You know, and, and it's good that way because they're only here for the three weeks. So that's just one more little uh, segment. I was going to release this as a short snapper and thought, no, I, I need to uh, build up my Barclay podcast. I, it's just once again to say how... Remi- and basically, it, it's not so much telling you as it is reminding myself what a pleasure it is to have this place. I was even thinking, you know, I should just book them for my own holidays sometime. Hey, I'm coming up for a few days. Save a room for me. And they would. The food is good, three meals a day, you know, today was pancakes and sausages, and we've had scrambled eggs and bacon, and always salad, always cereal and coffee and juice, and uh, today was chicken, deep fried chicken, I guess, like, and uh, tacos. Anyway, not going to go through the menu, not going to go through the menu, I'm just saying it's a fine, fine place to be. And a fine place to um, keep your beer chilled. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to sign off. It's five after five. I'm going to lie down, finish my beer, and um, read a little more about this horrible battle taking place in August, like exactly, well, August 1942. Uh, The horror. But... Even more so, the horror for the Japanese hold up in the caves. I think we've seen a Clint Eastwood movie about that. Not taking sides here, just saying all war is hell. sound to be hearing while you're lying on a comfortable bed in a cozy room reading a good book with a bottle of beer beside you. Oh yeah. Bye for now.
Chick, chick, chick. I hope this isn't going to be too aggravating. Uh, I'm sitting right under a flagpole. <laughs> and there's a bit of a wind coming up. I guess this is flagpole point or pine point. This is a little part that juts out from the uh, beach. Uh, it's one of my favorite places to come here alone when everybody's off doing something else. Right now the girls are uh, having a second try at the high ropes, climbing up, climbing up these poles and walking across, you know, ropes and things. It's a wonderful challenge for them. Uh, and of course, the idea here is just get a little bit outside your comfort zone, not to the panic zone, but... Go beyond where you're normally comfortable. Stretch yourself just a little bit further. And uh, most girls end up doing it and feeling great. Some burst into tears, but most of them come down feeling fantastic that they did something uh, challenging. They were in the canoes again this morning, and uh, I'll talk just a bit about that. Uh, we have breakfast, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, the first activity starts, and 9 o'clock canoeing was starting, but I also thought, hey, i got to go pay my bill, because we're leaving tomorrow morning, right after breakfast. And uh, the office is the only place where you can have Wi-Fi access, and I'm afraid that might have clouded my judgment. So instead of going down to the beach at 9 to help load up the canoes and see, make sure everybody was okay, I went straight to the office and uh, paid the invoice in full, and talked, got the, the, the scuttlebutt. You know, I always need to keep up on what's happening with this place and who's in charge and who's doing what, who left, who's coming on staff. and Because uh, the relationship is really, really important. So uh, that's a lot of what I do, spend time doing, and, and just keeping the relationships, you know, going, keep them strong, keep them friendly. And I finally didn't get back down to the beach till. 10.30, and uh, by then or shortly after, the girls are just paddling their way back in. It was a beautiful morning. It rained overnight. Um, you might have heard some music. Um, it was raining, but it was supposed to be the um, uh, campfire sing-song time. So instead, we had it at the Oak Center, our special room, pushed the sofas back, got games going, got songs, got dancing... And the girls just had a blast with their counselors. And then meanwhile, outside, just outside the door, they had a portable little fireplace with a couple of logs thrown on uh, to make s'mores. And you all know about s'mores, I'm sure. Roasted marshmallows, which the girls roast over the little fire, and then the uh, graham crackers and chocolate wafers. And uh, they were good. I had a couple myself. Every girl got two, and uh, they just had a blast doing that. And that, that's just special. But it was so cozy, sort of in the Oak Center on a wet night. So, anyway, today, the canoeing. Yesterday, as you know, I mentioned earlier, I didn't go. I sat with sat in the sidelines with somebody. And when they were paddling back in, I thought, what the hell? I could have gone any time to have paid that bill. Nobody was asking for it. Why wasn't I out in the canoe? This is the first time, first time in all my years at Park Lake, I didn't get out in the canoe. Now, normally they have women's staff, and some are coming up from Japan, and some are not so confident, and I take on the role of, you know, sometimes three of us will go out together. I, I know how to handle a canoe, and... Uh, I just like doing that. But this time we had one male, one female, and I knew they'd want to go out together. 
And so I, I guess I kind of backed off. And then realized later, gee, a couple of the girls didn't want to go out on their own and wanted to go with a counselor. I, I could have somehow managed it. And so I wasted a lot of time walking around moping and feeling bad. Like, when everything's gone so well and I'm so pleased with everything, why did I make a stupid decision? Why did I give up an opportunity to get in a canoe here at Bark Lake? And I really let it bother me. I mean, it really, you know, eating. Jeez, man, why you do? You idiot. What the hell are you doing paying a bill? You know, you could have, you should have been out there. You always go canoeing, man. You, why? And, and you know, it was crazy. It was irrational how, how emotionally disturbed I was that I didn't go canoeing. And finally came here. Real, I sat there and contemplated that. I said, all right, dude, go to your point. Go to the pine point. And reflect on this. And actually on the walk over, I realized, wait a minute now. What am I really missing? Right now I'm not missing anything. Right now I couldn't be in a canoe anyway. I wouldn't be allowed. We have to go out with staff. So what is it exactly that I'm missing? I was doing something else at the time. Am I missing it now? No, because you're not doing it now. It was the idea of not going canoeing. That was bothering me more than the fact of not having been in a canoe at a certain time. Like, if I was in that canoe, it would have been fine. I would have enjoyed it. But I was letting the whole idea that, oh, this is the first time, and you didn't go canoeing, and you should have gone canoeing. And I was letting all the... the mental constructs, the thought, the rehashing, the, the going over, the overanalyzing, the, the looking for reasons, the, the need to explain, to justify. All of those stupid mental non-Zen things I was doing to myself. I was making it so much more than it really was. It is no big deal. That's exactly what it is. It is no big deal. So what? I'll come another time and I'll go canoeing. There's no loss in my life. I didn't lose a hand or a foot or a best friend. I just, on this one occasion, had an opportunity that I let slip by. So, anyway, do I, do I sound... Is that convincing? Do you believe me? Because I believe myself. I'm over it. But I, but that's the kind of thing I do here at Barclay. <laughs> I, I try to keep myself in a nice, balanced zone. In a place where all is always well. And I'm pretty good at it. It comes easy here at Bark Lake. So now with the wind behind me, man, oh man, I got my back to it. And it's fortunately, so you're not picking up all that horrible sound. But um, what do I do with the rest of the day? I know I'm going to, oh, I know. After the high ropes, we walk to the beach. There's a long shoreline to another beach. And that's the time I get on my bathing suit, I get in the water, and I sit, and I reflect. And I watch the girls who can go in the water, jumping about, and diving, and splashing each other, and laughing, and having fun. And the other girls are on the beach making sandcastles, or playing volleyball. And I feel that joy again, and I feel that sense... Every year, if you've listened to this podcast before, like Dave Delaney has faithfully from Bark Lake, 
I see this timeless picture. It doesn't matter what year it is. It's just some time in this century, a group of girls from the other side of the planet are at this lake, splashing and frolicking in the water and having a wonderful time. And I have something to do with that, and it just makes me feel special. And it's a living moment. It's alive, but it's... It's in passing, and it's, there's something almost unreal about it. I, I, I can't find the words. There's something that's immediate and now and present, and also timeless, as if I'm looking back through an old book of photographs. Ah, who were those people? Why were they there? Like it's already in the past, even though I'm there in the moment. So <laughs> that's what I do. That's what I will be doing this afternoon. And then this evening we have our farewell banquet. And we eat under this beautiful big wooden pavilion. And they set up nice tables and cloths and lights and music. And the girls perform for the staff. They sing their songs and dance. And we make a few speeches and everybody thanks everybody. And... That marks the end of yet another year at Bark Lake. So I guess that's probably as good as any place to close off. I'm afraid I won't be able to uh, post this probably until I get back to Toronto because I'll want to include, you know, some music and tie the pieces together properly. But uh, this is me now. Enjoying the sunshine on this isolated little spot with nobody close to me. You can hear the voices down on the other beach where they're getting into the canoes. Another group from China. But uh, this is my time. So I think I'm going to uh, either continue listening to the marvelous podcast that uh, Jason up in this brain put together of a, a recap of his feelings and memories of MMPR 15 and uh, the fact that he took the time to mention the people who were there and to choose a special song to suit them this this was wonderful, this was above and beyond he really put some time and effort into that and uh, Jason that is very very commendable and uh, well done sir so listen to that, or other Jason's podcast, or or read about this battle for these islands in the Pacific, and think, oh my God, am I ever glad I never had to go to war and go through the hell that these people did on all sides. Scarborough dude, sort of. Actually, Ken. But uh, Jason, with an E, made a very interesting observation that uh, Ken seems to have a slightly more difficult time expressing himself than the Scarborough dude. And I'm, uh, I'm letting on that Ken actually fired the Scarborough dude and now wants him back. So stay tuned. See how it all unfolds. Bye for now. Thank <laughs> you.